and welcome to the Scarves Around the Funnel podcast, the the winners podcast, the Derby Bragging Rights podcast, the Natural Order podcast, the Hearts Class podcast. This is going to be a bit different than recent weeks because Mark Donaldson, who is joining me, Laurie Dunsair, we have lots of positivity this time around, don't we? Do we? Yes. I was working at the weekend. <laughs> what, what happened? How, how, how did Hearts get on? Did, did they get the point we were hoping for? Oh, it went one better than that. We went <laughs> went hundred better than that. We got so Sa- Santa delivered. We asked for the most ridiculous present. Well, it was ridiculous given our form, and that was two wins against Hamilton and Hibbs. And the big man has delivered. He has indeed. Uh, um, what a way to end the year so first off happy new year everyone i think when you're tuning into this uh, i think the hogmanay celebrations will have just about died down i imagine people will possibly have been celebrating from easter road right up until the start of 2019 i hope there's i hope there's some people who will manage to carry that on uh, i won't really be able to although i am sitting here um with a beer for a change which i wouldn't normally so am I. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I normally eat a penguin biscuit just before I come on air. But today it's a Harvest Time Sour Cranberry IPA. There you go. And it's ahead of of my flight to Scotland. Indeed. So by by the time um, this probably gets published, uh, hopefully I'll be in the motherland uh, with uh, another smile on my face as well. Well, I'm just sipping on a bottle of Moretti. Nothing is... Okay. Nothing is pretentious and complicated as whatever you've got in front of you. But um, okay, before we get started, let's quickly relive uh, some of the big moments from the final Edinburgh Derby of 2018. What a big evening in Edinburgh! The final game of 2018 for these two sides. Referee Kevin Clancy just waiting a few moments to get us up and running. As the clock has now hit half past five. And both sets of fans get right behind their favourites. And as Scott Wilson says, they're looking to make some noise and looking to spur their team on to capital success. As Hibbs get us up and running. Haring slides it to Ollie Lee on the right. He has Naismith in the box. Ollie Lee digs in, looking for Naismith. Heads it down. Chance for Haring on the angle. He just keeps in. Lee, it's still alive. It's off a Hibbs man and picked up by Adam Bogdan. What a chance for the Jambos. But now Hibbs come forward on the counter-attack. Lee. Rolls it to Smith for a space in the area. Knocks it towards goal. It's just palmed away by Bogdan. It was a really nice move from Hearts off the training ground. And the keeper had to just palm that away. It's curled in by Claire. Still alive. Lee back post. Drills it in low right across the area. Haring's in there. Still not cleared. Edge of the Hibs walks over the Lee. Goes for a left. What a shot. What a finish by Oli Lee. What a oh, what a goal from the Hearts midfielder. Left-footed. Sensational into the top corner. Adam Bogdan with no chance. Oli Lee turned to the edge of the box and he rifles it into the top bag. First blood to the Jambos and what a strike it was. Berra clears left-footed. And it comes to Whittaker. Whistle in the mouth for Kevin Clancy. And hearts have ended. A five-game wait for a victory in Eastern Road. And what a way to get it. Ollie Lee with a fantastic finish in the first half. Sensational left whenever into the top corner. Fitting way to win a derby here. Not since April 2014. 
have the Jambos won at the home of their rivals. But it's the Dunbar end that celebrates today. The Jambos extend their lead over the Hybees. And the two tiers over to our right in delirium now. Ollie Lee, the match winner. It was nervy at the end, but the Jambos have gone over the line. So that was the Edinburgh Derby at Easter Road, a game which will, I think, actually live long in the memory for Hearts fans. It, you know, without saying it's a classic or anything, but result-wise, it was uh, tremendous. And obviously, it's the first time Hearts have won Easter Road um, since 2014. Five straight defeats ended. Um, and Mark, what we're going to do, because we were a bit doom and gloom recently, and you know, just because things <laughs> things have been a bit doom and gloom, to be honest, Um but we're gonna we're gonna keep it we're gonna keep it we're gonna keep it positive, and I don't think it'll be too hard this time. And um, let's just focus on all the good things. Um, Andrew Neil actually messaged saying at least this uh, week the show will have uh, Mark will have something to be positive about, uh, and not make it too hard for Laurie to keep it upbeat. So it won't be too it won't be hard to keep it upbeat. We're gonna be completely positive. There's not gonna be a single negative. We're gonna start the year. Uh, with everything um, wonderful, and it yes. probably won't continue that way for the no, whole who, year. Who but... cares? This, this is going to be positivity. Have you ever given someone advice, but not no. taking that, <laughs> <laughs> but not taking your own advice? All the so time. A couple of weeks ago, exactly. A couple of weeks ago, we ended the podcast, um, and I said, "Here's a quote to finish up: Adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience." And I didn't, I didn't follow that. Did I not cut but that no, out? Oh, that was a mistake. No, no, no <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. I just thought it was a nice way to end. Basically saying, look, patience is the one thing that, that none of us really have these days. We just want everything and we want it yesterday. And look, it, it didn't quite work out um, in the couple of weeks after that. But then we beat Hamilton and now we've beaten Hibernian. So patience if you adopt the pace of nature, her secret is patience. That's the quote of 2018 for me, because all is well that ends well. And I have to say, now you, I don't think you agreed with me, um, and a few people I messaged also didn't agree with me. I felt optimistic before the derby. I, I woke up on Saturday morning thinking, I think we've got a good chance in this one. Best chance we've had in a while going to Easter Road. Um now, my thinking behind this, I messaged you and I think you said you'll never learn or something along those lines. And <laughs> I messaged uh, Craig Fowler as well and he was like, why Why would you be positive? And the two things I said, I said, I've got one which is sound reasoning and one which is just, it's written in the stars, it's meant to happen type of nonsense. <laughs> and the, the, the sound reasoning was, Hibs are missing a whole load of players. The players like Martin Boyle, who tends to run right than the right wing against us at Easter Road. Ryan Porteous, one of their key defenders. Lewis Stevenson, really their only senior left back. Marvin Bartley was a big doubt. And I just felt that for the first time going to East Road, I thought we could go there and actually control the midfield, which we always seem to lose there. So I said, if Haring and June make it and Bartley doesn't start, I'd be all over us at 3-1. to one. Obviously, I wouldn't bet on Hearts because that's ludicrous. But if I did... That's you what I, did. That's what you I would, did. Don't lie to me. You did. That's what I would have been going you with. You had a nibble. Don't lie. Come on. Honor, Scouts honour. Did you have 20p? I, I, can, I can't afford that. I you did. I, you I, did. No wonder you're happy today. So, so I was, yeah, I was actually, <laughs> I was actually optimistic. And wow. 
And I was Hearts were three Hearts were three to one, really. Yeah, almost three to one with the bookies. Yeah, which I guess if you look at form, as I mentioned, five defeats in a row in a row, Easter Road. It'd actually been the longest ever run in the Edinburgh Derby without an away winner. It'd been fourteen derbies without one of the sides winning away from home. So that was that was ended as well. So I just I felt quite optimistic going into that game. And then we obviously saw the team. Big um, positives were that Haring and June did make it. They obviously both hobbled off against Hamilton and were doubts. Um, and Clevy Di Camona, which took me really by surprise when I saw his name included, because I didn't think he was going to be in contention uh, for weeks yet with his, with his thigh injury. I think he'd been scheduled to come back at the end of January. So throwing him in was obviously a risk that Craig Levine took, because... I don't think anyone thought he looked remotely near fully fit, but it, it was a risk that paid off in the end. Yes, um, because in, in the post, sorry, in the pre-match interview on Sky with Mark Benstead, he was asked, Mark said, a couple of changes. Uh, one of them, Clevy Di Camona, didn't expect him back, and, and Craig pretty much said, no, neither did I, and it is a gamble. Mark asked, is he 100%? And he said, no, that's why it's a gamble, but we're hopeful he can he can maybe get through it. So that was a roll of the dice call that ended up a double six. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through all of the Hearts players one by one. And uh, I think you've actually prepared something for a change. So we're going to... I think you said you did. So no, I, put a tweet, I put a tweet out after the game and I don't think I've had as much abuse from Hearts fans ever <laughs> in 25 years for numbers beside names. But we'll get to that. But what I haven't mentioned is the it was written in the stars nonsense as well, which is why I thought we might win, which has no sound reasoning at all. But sometimes football fans just think like that. Um, it was obviously a half past five kickoff on Saturday in the derby, and I was thinking that can't, can't happen very often. I couldn't remember, so I had to look back. And the last time that had been a half past five, okay, it was five thirty-five, but close enough. A kickoff of that time in the Edinburgh derby was at Easter Road. It was a Hearts team who had been waiting for a long time for a win at Easter Road. It was a five-year wait, so almost the same as this one, which was about four and a half. It was Craig Levine in charge, and it was March 2002. And although Hearts went behind to a Gary O'Connor goal, Scott Severin levelled things up late in the first half, and then Stephen Presley sealed the victory late on from the penalty spot. And, yeah, for no reason at all, I'm thinking, yeah, it's, it's written in the stars. You know, that's so similar to this time, kickoffs, manager, situation, long run without a, a win at the home of our rivals. So that was my second thing. Do you know that, that sorry, Laurie, that was the first of four games, uh, looking at the London Hearts stat, because I always have London Hearts up when we're doing the podcast, because it is by far the best website as far yeah. as... makes makes us sound like stuff. we're knowledgeable. <laughs> we, yeah, oh, I remember that 15 years ago when that happened. Um, <laughs> that was the first game of four, because the next one was 5-1, mm-hmm. Mark De Vries Derby and the Jean-Louis Valois man of the match mm-hmm. from Sandy Clark, followed by the uh, chance shot goal, Jancic through to Stamp last mm-hmm. minute, off you go, followed by the we only won 4-4. <laughs> so that was the start of a... I don't know if you'll get four derbies in a row um, like that because the derby before, Hearts thought they'd won it. It was Frank Sozzi's only derby in charge and, and John O'Neill equalised in stoppage time at Tynecastle uh, on yeah. the 29th of December. So that was exactly the same date as the one uh, yesterday. So that derby, the 535, I'm not buying the whole, uh, I, I saw it in the stars, nonsense. I just, I, I'll doff my cap um, to you 
for for thinking that Hearts have got a chance. Because a couple of things before, like Friday night, for example. Obviously, I mentioned before my WhatsApp group. We've got um, Ian Mercer, who's Wallace's son, uh, a couple of our friends who are Rangers fans and a Celtic fan as well. And I kind of said to them, confident, because the Rangers fans, they're like, no, no chance. And I said, no, neither am I. And I kind of thought, I wonder what the odds are. Because we, we follow football for the unexpected as well as the kind of weekly occurrence. Um, and a Rangers Hearts double yesterday. It's funny you said that Hearts were 3-1 to because I was unable to find the, the kind of odds, um, what they were before the game. Rangers were heavily backed into two to one before the game. They were eleven to four, and they were backed in. So if you're saying that on average a five to two Rangers and a three to one Hearts, I don't think there's anybody out there. I know you've had twenty p on Hearts at three to one. I can't see anybody who would have thought honestly that Rangers and Hearts would have both won their respective derbies. No, I I, I certainly I thought Celtic would win the old farm. To be fair. Uh, so yeah, I, I think if anyone had a, had a punt on those two, then well done. Hopefully they're enjoying their winnings, or they enjoyed them in the aftermath of that sensational win at Easter Road. So, so we'll look at the game, and then what we'll do when we've had a quick talk through some of the key moments of the match, Mark, we'll go through player by player because this is the the winners podcast, the positive podcast to start off <laughs> uh, to start off 2019 so it's it's all positive there's no other there, there I, I will edit out any negativity so the game itself it, it was it started at a decent pace i thought it was fairly open although neither side really created much in the way of chances um a kind of half chance either side maybe with uh, Naismith's cushion header which Haring couldn't quite get onto and then Camberry with a header which was well off target and it all really just came alive with Ollie Lee, who I think I mentioned it, Ryan Stevenson-esque in many ways, just on his left foot, who who scored an absolute cracker of a goal. And I suppose the one difference between, and obviously the Ryan Stevenson goal I'm mentioning is, mentioning is the uh, League Cup winning goal from about five years ago that he scored at Easter Road to win 1-0 uh, under Gary Locke. Um, the, the goal for Lee, though, I didn't think there was much on, to be fair. It was just a, a header into the air by Clare. Back to goal, 25 yards away, Hanlon all over him. He had so much work to do there, not just to, to actually get a decent strike and goal, but to actually fashion some space for himself to, to, to get a crack at goal. And This is one of these which I think we'll be looking at time and time again. It's not going to quite be as iconic as Alain Uzturk's 40-yarder, which obviously you add 10 yards to it every year that you talk about it. It'll, it'll be from his own box by the time we're talking about it in 10 years' time. But it was an absolute belter of a goal, worthy of winning any game. It was a stunning goal. And I know we're going to talk about Sean Clare, because there's a differing of opinions um, among Hearts fans uh, about Sean Clare. And I know he got the assist, but that ball spent a lot of time up in the air from, from the header. I'm not saying that's a bad thing or anything like that because of what happened. But that just made it even harder, because he's got to wait, he's got to hold off his man, He's then got to control it, he's got to cushion it, he's got to turn, and he's got to shoot. That's six things that Ollie Lee has been able to do. And it was a stunning goal. And we've scored some really good goals. I was watching the game on Sky. Uh, apologies for not tuning in to, to, to your commentary um, like I normally do. But I kept it on that channel and uh, doing stuff afterwards. And, and they, they played old Hearts-Hibs games 
a lot of them, goals from. We've scored a number of really good goals, and a lot of them at Easter Road, and that's up there as well. Now, prior to that goal, maybe around the 15, 20-minute mark, I kind of thought to myself, we've got a chance here. Now, I know you said you thought it before, so kudos to you and, and whoever else thought Hearts were, were going to get the win. Maybe it was more in hope than expectation. But there was something, and it wasn't anything in particular, but one or two things happened in the first 15, 20 minutes. They stood off us a lot. I thought with the two formations at 3-5-2, with 10 men across the middle of the park, I thought it's going to be another derby like it was the last time, where the ball's going to get wrapped in, in cotton wool and taken off on a stretcher near the end. But it wasn't like that. Now, I haven't seen much of Hibs. I've heard things about some of their players. I've heard good things and... And bad things. And I saw the game against Celtic when I thought they were very good. But Stevie Mallon was non-existent. Camberry in attack did absolutely nothing. It wasn't even getting to him, never mind it not sticking. And Hearts had control of the midfield. And that is what first gave me kind of optimism that they're not even laying a glove on us just now. Now, that's always a dangerous thing to think, especially in an Edinburgh derby, because the worst thing normally happens. But there were one or two things, and I don't know if you felt the same in commentary, it's a kind of, un, you don't say anything in commentary. You just, you, you think things because you don't want to jinx it. That's what we're like. But just before the goal, I just thought, we could win this because it wasn't the Hibs that I expected. No, and I would certainly agree that, uh, and they didn't, they didn't have that same feel about Easter Road. You can tell there's a little bit of discontent there at the moment. They've, they were actually on a six-game unbeaten run, which kind of went under the radar a bit because they've been drawing so many matches. I think they've drawn four of those games. Um, but they just they didn't seem to have that same edge. You know, we've been going to Easter Road recently and the crowd, the noise, everyone seems really up for it. It didn't seem like that from the start. There was a, there was a wave of optimism coming from the, the Dunbar end, from, from pre-match as well. And you just got that feeling, and it was kind of emanating out into the pitch as well. The players seemed to have that feeling as well. There was more confidence, more resolve about them. We've, we've kind of buckled. We've lost our bottle, as, as many Hearts fans would say, at Easter Road too many times. And we just didn't look like a team who were going to bottle it. I mean, obviously, Hibs could have easily snatched a goal anyone can snatch a goal in a game you know it just takes a moment of brilliance like Ollie Lee produced or an error but even then I think even if Hibs had scored I don't think I would have been as downhearted as I normally have been in the derbies traveling there um, and I mean even the start of the second half so I mean there wasn't much else to talk about in the first half there was that sensational goal start of the second half I was like this is this is going to be this is going to show us if Hibs are going to come out and respond has Neil Lennon given the kick up the backside and within 15 seconds of the second half, McGregor had let Naismith steal in, and he very nearly doubled the lead. It was a, a, yeah. a decent block. It was a it was a hard angle for Naismith to score from. And again, you just felt they don't look like they're going to get any better in this game. They are what they are. Now, for anybody saying, oh, but they're without the three players that went away with Australia, I'm just going to throw this one into the mix. Hibernian beat Celtic 2-0 on the 16th of December, a couple of weeks ago. None of those three played any part in that game. McLaren was the only one who was in the squad and he was an unused sub. So I know he could have, and all credit to Neil Lennon, he could have, he could have got that game off, but he said, look, I'm, I'm not going to do that. He said, Hearts, Hibs fans love the Edinburgh Derby. I'm not going to deny them an opportunity between Christmas and New Year to watch a game at a full house at Easter Road. I'm not going to do that. So uh, kudos to Neil Lennon for doing that. But for anybody that says, yeah, but they were without those three key players, well, if they're key players, why were none of them involved in the 2-0 win over Celtic? 
they did have a, a couple of chances. Ollie Shaw hit the bar with a, a decent half volley from range. Um, Stephen Whitaker came very close, and I don't know if you had this flashback at all, but in 2006 or seven in the derby at Tynecastle in his first spell at Easter Road, uh, he hit both posts with a shot at one point at the Roseburn end. I don't know if you recalled that. Suddenly popped into my head. It was the derby, it was the Boxing Day derby that uh, Miko scored the spectacular winner against John Collins Hibbs. Oh, the 3-2 game. Aye, and Whittaker at one point rattled a shot and it hit off both posts and came out. And he must be cursing his luck because that's his 20th Edinburgh derby he's now played in. And he's not scored against his boyhood heroes' hearts. Uh, but he thought he had, and I think most people, including myself, thought it was going to spin in his long-range shot, which was touched onto the post by Colin Doyle, which I didn't see at first viewing. But it was a really important little touch for the fingertips of the big Irishman. Um, but other than that... There wasn't a whole lot of threat from Hibbs apart from the traditional, you're only a goal up, you go into your shell for the last few minutes and panic ensues whenever the ball gets launched into the box. But other than that, there wasn't too much to write home about in terms of Hibbs as an attacking force. I guess the only incident, before we want before we go into the detail on each player, Mark, one incident which um, I wanted to mention... Um, Stuart actually me- messaged us saying he's surprised that the Sean Clare booking was not discussed on sports scene. It looked like there was enough contact for it not to be a dive. How did it look to you guys? Now, I have to say, when I saw it real time in the game, I didn't think it was a penalty. I thought he'd maybe gone down a little easy. I've seen the replay of it, and I still don't think it's a penalty. I don't think there's enough contact. But having looked at it again, I think it's quite harsh to book him for diving. Okay. It's not a penalty because it's outside the box. That's a start. I put a tweet out saying I thought the referee got the decision right. and I, I, I said it was a dive and a yellow card. I will retract kind of part of that as far as... I, when it comes to a dive, there can be contact. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah. A dive can still be a dive if there's contact, if you embellish the fall. Now... If he'd waited and gone down, I think, A, it would have been inside the box, and B, that contact was coming. So if he'd waited, and just, just before that, and I don't know how many minutes it was before it, he was put through on goal, and he didn't look confident. When I just wonder if he thought, this is a get-out-of-jail card. I can get us a penalty. I don't have to try another shot on goal. Because his confidence right now isn't what he would hope it is. Um, because he's not got his first goal. And I'm sure once he gets his first goal, Sean Clare, we'll see a, a totally different player. Do I think it was a yellow card? Did he embellish it? <sighs> Maybe. It, it's not as clear cut for me. And, and you, you, you tweet things in the heat of the moment, uh, as it happens, or straight after a game when you do man marks. It's like something we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Managers are asked to give post-match um, interviews straight after the game, within 15, 20 minutes. It's not easy. It's you see something late and you think, mm, okay, me. I mean, I, I work with the king of them, Stevie Nichol, who still debates after seeing the replay. He thinks the replay is sometimes wrong. <laughs> Stevie, come on, aye, aye, but he just refuses to change his mind. He he doesn't believe the pictures. Aye, I'm I'm standing by what I said. I mean, there's an honour and there's a pride. If if he, the, and that's the other thing. When a when an incident takes place inside the box. And 
it's, it's an adjudged either embellishment or a dive. It doesn't have to be either penalty or dive. Yeah, no, a was... yellow card, and and that's the other thing. So that's maybe where this one kind of falls into. It's not a penalty, and even if it was inside the box, it wouldn't have been. But the yellow card maybe a, a little bit harsh. But that's why that's what I think was going through Sean Clare's mind. But if he just waited a split second, I think Ambrose would have taken him out. Yeah, I was just about to say, and you, you've kind of mentioned it there that I think sometimes referees are too quick to to feel like they have to make, if they're not giving the penalty, then they have to be making that decision. It's a dive. I mean, in my mind, it's acceptable for a referee to say, I didn't see a foul there. I can't give a penalty. That's it. You know, it's, but I think he's maybe just thought, okay, he's, he's gone down. If I'm not giving a penalty, then it, it has to be a dive. But, you know, momentum, sometimes players can, can fall. If there's, you know, there can be a little bit of contact, not a foul contact. But, yeah. Anyway, um, Let's get to the players, because I think that's the main thing here. We're, we're not going to dissect uh, every little moment of the match, but let's go through the players, because these are the, the players which obviously ended Hart's terrible run at Easter Road, and I think they all deserve a little bit of focus. So let's start, Mark, with Colin Doyle, who okay. was, ste- was steady. One really good save. He, he did have a little flap, but I thought generally he was commanding. When we talk about these players, I'm going to give you the man marks that I put out on a yeah, tweet, and yeah, a couple of them I'm going, a couple of them I'm going to change. Mm-hmm. And the Colin Doyle one I'm going to change. Uh, I had a seven, and I'm going to give him eight. Okay. I actually had him at eight because I was thinking about who I was going to give what to with about five minutes to go, and he came out near the end and he flapped it across. Mm-hmm. Now, ultimately, there was no harm done, but I took a mark off him there. Now that's harsh because he saved Hearts two points with that stunning save, and you don't know with what he got on the ball. Did that impact the spin? Mm-hmm. Because if he got less on that, that could easily have hit the post and gone in. So that's a stunning save. So I thought he looked nervous when I saw him in the tunnel. I just felt it. normally the, the goalkeepers are kind of hey, good luck, all the best. He, he kind of nervously glanced side eye to side eye, and he didn't really look at the Hibs goalkeeper. And then the Hibs goalkeeper kind of patted him on the shoulder, and then then they had a high five or like a, a handshake. And I thought, hmm, a bit nervous. Which, fine, look, we would all be nervous. So, thankfully, everything he did, apart from the flat, I thought he did very well. So, he gets an 8 out of 10 from me and not a 7. So, he's gone up one. Okay, so let's get to the back three. Um, first off, uh, the man in the middle of the two natural centre-backs, the full-back who has played in central midfield for Hearts. He's played right and left back, and he's played at centre-back a, a few times as almost an old-fashioned sweeper, Michael Smith, who I thought was a calming influence. He was steady, and he won so many interceptions, and he cut out so many dangerous passes. I, I thought, again, he he had a very good game. Totally agree. I gave him an 8 out of 10. I'm sticking with that. I'm going to bump up his two partners in defence. But for Michael Smith, he's now that... You're pretty much guaranteed at least a 7 out of 10 every week. And I just thought he marshaled well. He's he's Mr. Versatility at the back, isn't he? And he's the unsung hero. I thought he was outstanding. So 8 out of 10, as well as Colin Doyle. Um, so either side of him, uh, let's give Dicamona a big shout out. Because... He's, you know, he's had the the jambo soldier line going on since he he started, but he really was a soldier in this one. Um, 
clearly nowhere near match fit. Uh, probably medically <laughs> shouldn't have been playing a game of football. Uh, you know, a couple of times didn't look like he could walk, let alone play a football game. But somehow managed 90 minutes, blocking, putting his body on the line. Um, arguably his best performance for Hearts. Yes, and I thought he he led by example. Um, he played through the pain barrier, and and maybe the decision was taken to keep him on because if you took him off, Aaron Hughes would have been in emergency only. And the alternative was to bring on Dimitri Mitchell and go to a flat four. But this is the second half when he's struggling with the knee problem and the thigh issue and, and everything like that. So for him to stay on, for him to want to stay on, a jambo soldier, I would want him in the trenches alongside me. Absolutely phenomenal. And a 7 out of 10 for him in the immediate aftermatch, uh, aftermath, he's up to an 8 as well. After the Livingston game, we maybe maybe questioned. I mean, Berra didn't have a good game in that one, and there seemed to be a, maybe a lack of leadership on the pitch with Stephen Naismith missing for that one. And certainly, it's been great to have Naismith back. But I tell you what, in his twentieth derby, same as Whitaker, Christoph Berra, um, I thought was superb as a leader, his performance, everything. And Florian Camberi has not been on a great run of form, but either way, Berra just never gave him peace. I thought he was superb at the back. Yeah, he's another that gets raised from seven to eight, purely for the leadership as well. Look, if you're expecting a, a, a John Stones-esque passer of the football, you're not going to get that. But you're going to get someone with the guts and the determination and the passion of like a Chiellini for Juventus. He's not the best ball-playing centre-back in the world, but my goodness, like Di Camona, and we've seen it even more times over the years, you want him leading you into battle. So he gets a an eight from a seven as well. So I've got four eights so far. I was a little bit um, miserly with my uh, <laughs> with my ratings. But Come on, Scrooge. Come on. <laughs> I'm happy to boost them because I'm not allowed to take anything away because that would just get edited out due to negativity. So they're all up to eight so far. So we've got the back three and the goalkeeper. That's what I like to hear. And it was a terrific moment at the end when the team were celebrating in front of the South Stand and Berra kind of led them. He came out in front of the whole team and he punched the air and the Hearts fans gave a cheer as he did it. Uh, I thought it was wonderful to see. And you, you, I think you've seen that image captured by the Hearts Twitter account. They shared that photo in the aftermath of the game. Just great to see the captain in front of his troops celebrating with the fans. So we'll move on to the wingbacks. Um, and on the right, Marcus Godinho. Uh, I thought... Initially, I was a little bit nervous. I thought Hibs were focusing their attacks down the left. He was obviously on the side which had Di Camona as a centre-back, so I was worried that maybe Di Camona wasn't up to match fitness, and Godinho hasn't played um, a whole lot of senior games this season. Um, but I thought he settled into the game. He was a good attacking threat, and although Sean Mackey got forward quite a lot, I thought Godinho dealt quite well with it, and Hibs did put Horgan out there to try and double up on him a few times. I thought he coped very well, and I think it's his best game since he's come back from injury. So what you're saying is the 6 out of 10 I gave him is probably too low? Mm, that depends. We won the derby. I think he got to be a bit more generous. And like, okay. I, I, thought, I thought first half, I was a bit nervous. I thought there was a lot of space appearing on that side. Um, but I thought he settled into the game, and I thought he was up and down that wing. He offered an attacking option, because we had a lot of width, which was something we don't usually have at Easter Road, um, with Godinho and... Garuccio on the left who we'll get on to in a moment so eh, I, I think 6 out of 10 in a Derby I'll give, him an, I'll give him a half point I'm not going as high as 7 
but I'll give him a I'll give him an extra half point for being fit, and that means that Smith was playing at centre back. I just I, I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine. I think he's a steady player. Um, I thought him and Mackie kind of cancelled each other out. I think you're spot on that Mackie at the start kind of got forward more than than Godinho. Um, yeah, six and a half for for Godinho. I thought he was I thought he was fine. Yeah. Okay. I I am going to be confident that the next player I'm going to talk about will be getting a lot more than a six and a half. Uh, this okay. is this is the man on the left, uh, Ben Garuccio, and I'll quickly read. Uh, Mark Wells actually messaged us saying. Uh, I told you in September how good Ben Garuccio was. I watched him on BT for Adelaide United. What a performance last night. The true fight and desire our maroon jersey deserves. My man of the match, says Mark Wells. And I thought Garuccio was sensational. I thought he was superb. Uh, up and down the left. He was strong defensively. He got forward well. Um, I don't think Dimitri Mitchell should be getting that spot back from him for quite a while, if at all. Um, what did he get? 12? He got a seven, however. Just a, just a seven. No, wait, 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 wait. He, he got a seven. Now, I, when I put this tweet out, I, I thought too much about what others would maybe think about these, and I, I, I got it wrong. Because I thought, <laughs> oh, the, I, I thought, well, I was just going to hand out lots of eights and a few sevens. And I thought, nah, come on, you can't do that because you've, you've got to at least be a little bit subjective. So I gave him a seven. However, like a lot of bookmakers, they offer you a bet boost. I'm going to use a bet boost on Garuccio and I'm going to move him from seven up to eight. <laughs> and it's funny that tweet that you read out as well. I, at 4.30 this morning, I was about to watch the game again, but my beloved daughter went back to sleep after six ounces of whatever I gave her. And I thought, if she doesn't go back to sleep, we're watching the game again like we did yesterday. Because I wanted to kind of, before we did this podcast, I wanted to see things that, Obviously, you miss a lot when you watch it first time. There's nerves and whatever. It's actually a lot easier to watch a game second time round. Not so much because you know the result, but you know what you want to look for as well. And that was a player I wanted to look at, Garuccio, because I don't think he put a foot wrong. I thought he was outstanding. He got forward. He did his defensive duties as well. So I'm using a bet boost on him. I know I've already used a few of them today, but he moves <laughs> up from a 7 to an 8. And uh, Ava Grace was born in the aftermath of an Easter Road game, wasn't she? She, she? she was born five minutes after the previous game at Easter Road. So she she has never seen Hearts lose, not only, not only at... Oh, wait a minute, did she? Yes, she did. We lost 2-0 at Easter Road in... Oh, ah, no, she hasn't. That no, was no, the no, game, no. wasn't it? That was the game. She was born five <laughs> minutes after the end of the game. That was the one that we went on talk sport. Do you know when your daughter was born? <laughs> I do now, yeah. Um, yeah, she was born at 4.54 um, Eastern Standard Time, and the game finished about 4.48. I was on talk sport about 5.30, 6 o'clock that night on the two mics, and I said to them, my daughter has yet to see Hearts lose to Hibs. They're like, yeah, but Hibs, Hibs won 2-0. And I said, yeah, but she wasn't, she wasn't born. So, so far, we've got a 2-1 win at Tynecastle in May. We've got the 0-0, and we've got the 1-0. So she's 3-for-3 three three since she was born. Maybe that is the secret. Having a child. <laughs> not having a child, having Ava Grace. She does not know the meaning of defeat to Hibernian. 
Okay, midfielders, which are, are going to be, again, I, I, I hope to see some ratings here, which are in the high categories. So Might need, might need a bet boost here. So, um, Hearts, obviously, they're a 3-5-2, if you want to call it that. So, there are three central midfielders in there, um, and I thought all three were great. We'll go through them one by one. And first up, uh, the man who, even though he only played just over half the game, played about 53 minutes, quite possibly still man of the match, a guy who's been playing um, through a hernia issue for what seems like forever now. He will be getting an operation in a few weeks' time. Um, he'd hobbled off midweek uh, with a problem. He was a doubt. He was past fit. Clearly wasn't completely match fit. But, oh boy, how, how he made those 53 minutes count. Peter Haring. Bet boost required here. <laughs> Another because one. I gave him, yeah, I, I'm, I'm liberal with them today. Allow me that. There's no negativity. I'm boosting boosting values of players. <laughs> right. Let, let's talk about Peter Haring. First of all, quote from Craig Levine within the last couple of hours. Obviously, he's had this problem with his hernia, which has been getting worse and worse. He's scheduled now to go in to get an operation as soon as possible. He's been filling himself with anti-inflammatories and painkillers and such like for the last wee, wee while. He's a tough boy. He really is. And he competes really well. This game in Scotland suits him really well because he's got the attributes to allow him to win headers and second balls, and have the composure to pick a pass as well. Let's dissect that. He is now part of the fabric of Heart of Midlothian, because he epitomises what the fan in the stand would give to be out on that field. They'd give everything. They would not leave a single thing out there. So what they want is to see 11 players, if possible, to do what they would do if they were playing. Peter Haring You saw what he was like when he went off. The Hearts fans were up as one, giving him a standing ovation. And I only gave him a seven. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And I put a tweet out at halftime saying the the epitome of Hearts' performance was was Haring and Naismith. I gave him a seven simply due to minutes played. That's an easy upgrade. So the bet boost up to at least eight, maybe eight and a half, because he was absolutely phenomenal, Peter Haring. And that quote from Craig Levine, when he's talking about second balls, I thought it was interesting, the Hearts tactics. And by the way, I think Levine got them absolutely spot on. You think to yourself, why are we going long to Stephen Naismith, who's not that bad, he's pretty good in the air. But I think we saw yesterday, Hearts tactic was to get it forward quicker than we've been doing. Not necessarily to be silky or anything like that, and not necessarily to a Hearts player, but to a competing Hearts player who, even if he loses the ball, there's another Hearts player in that vicinity ready to pick up the second ball in the scraps. Craig Levine said that about Haring. Peter Haring did that. And a bet boost is used to take him up to eight slash eight and a half. The heartbeat of that midfield. And another player who I thought was great picking up second balls, putting a challenge in and, and getting his foot on the ball and playing some football as well. Someone who I think is underrated and I think a lot of Hearts fans have, have held maybe has potential potential interest to leave the club at times against him and certain interviews have been you know misquoted and people have taken the wrong way as well is Arno Joom who has had some time out with injury and I know a lot of Hearts fans who aren't big fans of Arno Joom and you can think what you like about him in terms of is he committed to the club does he want to move elsewhere but to be honest do you want players who only want to stay at Hearts? You know, you sign a foreign player, of course they're going to have aspirations to do better and, and get a bigger move. But I thought he was really, really effective. And I think he has been in a lot of games. And 
since he's come back, you know, Hearts have, have had a difficult run of late. But I think when we have pieced together a bit of form or some good passages of playing games, a lot of it's been down to Arnold Jume and not just his, I guess, ability on the ball, but his determination and drive. And again, maybe not quite up with the, the Haring level, but I thought he was, again, just really effective against Hibs. Arnold Jume. Hmm. Six out of ten. Hmm, okay. Now, this is where I may have made a mistake, and I'm not frightened at all to put my hands up and say I was I was wrong. I think one or two of these man marks were done with the first half still kind of still superseding what happened in the second half, and and I put that tweet out about. Haring and Naismith being the epitome of, of what Hart's performance was like in the first half. And I put a thing about Sean Clare because I thought the first half totally passed him by. And I'm, I'm looking forward to our discussion about him in a couple of minutes as well. But I got a few replies saying, yes, yeah, Clare's a bit like June, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's clouded my, my judgment. And that was another reason why I wanted to watch the game again before I did this, because Looking back and thinking now, and I'm going to get the chance to watch sports scene um, once we've finished doing this. And I don't know what they've obviously, uh, what they've shown because it's now been on in the UK. But I think there was an element now of composure. When Hearts cleared the ball, it's easy to just lump it forward. But in the second half, the more I think of it, I think Arnold Jume was probably more involved than I gave him credit for as far as a, a calm head in midfield. So the bet boost is back out. I'm not going to go as high as eight, but I don't think he does deserve a six. And I'm going to I'm going to push him up to to a seven because the number of tweets I got last night as well saying I can't believe you only gave Juma six. I I don't have a match marks are the hardest thing for anybody to do because you're, <laughs> you 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 speak to journalists about that they hate doing them because you get the players coming those how come I only got a six I deserve more than that that is the hardest thing because you're never going to get everyone agreeing with you. And a lot of people didn't. That's fine. I've got no problem with people disagreeing. We'll, we'll agree to disagree and we'll, I'll try and get them to change my mind. They can try and get me to change um, my mind or, or whatever. Um, but I'll, I'll go with the majority here. I think I was probably too harsh on Arnold Doom and the bet boost from six up to seven. Okay. And the final central midfielder, or well, regular central midfielder for this game anyway, uh, is the match winner. The man who stole the headlines with a moment of brilliance, Ollie Lee, who hasn't... He started the season really well. He obviously got a lot of fans um, really getting attached to him quite early on. They obviously have that song, the, the chant, which was ringing out, quite rightly so, around Easter Road on Saturday evening. He maybe lost his way a little bit recently, hadn't quite been as effective. Um, and for long periods of the game Easter Road, I thought he he wasn't getting a lot of chance to do something with the ball which obviously is what we want from Ollie Lee he's probably the more attacking of the the three in there but for that moment alone Mark he's surely got to be an 11 (laughs) (laughs) 8 out of 10 that that, that sounds serious that sounds sensible 8 out of 10 because he was the match winner was was he the best Hearts player no he he wasn't wasn't even the best Hearts midfielder but you score a winning goal you, you get you get double points um, what, so, so he was going to get a four? No, yeah, that came out wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you get you get a bit you get a bet boost without having to do it after the event. <laughs> so so he, do you know what 
we did a couple of weeks ago. Remember when we did the Scottish Cup final teams from the three that uh, the Hearts have won in '98, '06, and, and and '12, and we had a we had a few different opinions about who should be in the combined team, and I put Robbie Nielsen at right back because had it not been for him, that tackle we probably wouldn't have beaten Gretna in the cup final, and it's the same for Lee. He gets an eight out of ten because without that goal we probably wouldn't have been going home with all three points. So that's why he gets an 8 out of 10. No bet boost required. I'm happy with that score. Ollie Lee, is this going to be a big part of... Hearts Derby folklore now, you know, one of these moments, the like the Phil Stamp moment, the Ryan Stevenson, the cup moment, the Wayne Foster moment, you know, Rudy Scatchell's countless moments. Is is this is this one, you know, the Anali Moose Turk moment, is this Ollie Lee one gonna be relived and remembered for, for years to come? Yeah, be, because I, I I think it ended a, a a long run. I mean it was nearly five years mm-hmm. since Hearts won at Easter Road, and we were talking, you mentioned it in commentary, but Callum Patterson was, was the last player um, to score the winner uh, for Hearts at Easter Road back in, what was it, 2014? Mm-hmm. Yep. When he got he got two goals in, in, in that game. And you remember as well, he, he got the winner uh, the year before. Um, I know that was at Tynecastle, but he's not been kind of remembered as, oh, Callum Patterson scored those two. And, and, and the other thing is, Ollie Lee is going to be remembered right now until we play them again. But if Hearts win the next time at Easter Road, I don't think it'll go down as, as kind of one of the moments. But for now, it's a he's a winning goal scorer. And then to come out afterwards and say, oh, I had a dream last night and that's what I did in my dream. So I'm delighted to have done it in real life as well. Wow. I mean, we all have different dreams, but that's, that's the stuff that, <laughs> excuse the pun, dreams are made of. You dream you're going to score the winning goal and you do. What would be your dream for 2019 if you could have one tonight that could come true in 2019? Are you asking me or the listeners or both? Both. So your dreams for 2019 and we're going to be talking one dream. hearts related. One dream. Hearts related dream. It's up to you. I'm going to go with hearts. If you want to see you want to marry whoever or, or get something, then that's fine. But I'll stick with hearts. Well, let's be realistic because obviously we're talking dreams. It could be any. Lift the Scottish Cup 2019. Like that. Obviously, I could say lift the league title, that'd be even better, but I'll have a slightly realistic dream. I know dreams, anything can happen in dreams, but my dreams are slightly realistic. My, my dream will be for Hearts to lift the Scottish Cup. Christoph Berra to lift the Scottish Cup. Standing up on the steps at Hamden with his mouth guard in still, punching the air with one fist and with one hand around the Scottish Cup. Did you, you commentate go. in 2012 in the Hibs game? I did not know. I was in the stand enjoying the game. So was I. Who was commentating for the Hearts website that day? No idea. Huh. Um, it was the the <laughs> that grey that dodgy period they had between you leaving and me starting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Some would say that dodgy period was when I was still there. <laughs> so you've you've not you've not had the opportunity to commentate on Hearts winning the cup. That would be something special if if you were able to do that. I've not. I've still not been to Hamden with Hearts, which really I, I've not because they moved, they moved the only time I was going to Murrayfield. So, um, oh, wow. 
And the other semi-final was Easter Road, and I gave you that one anyway. Oh, the Cali game? Indeed, yeah. Oh, glad, glad I gave you that one. Wow, thanks. I still, I, never mind dreams, I still have nightmares about that. We're up against nine men. We've got the ball in the corner. That positivity. And, we, and, 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 and something happened after that, but we're not allowed to mention it, because this is God's honest truth. I'm staring right now. Laney's got all boxes and boxes of nonsense, but they've got sayings on them and everything. And the one I'm actually looking at just now says, focus on the positive. So there you go. So we're not allowed any negativity in this. So we're, we've got two to go in our 11. <laughs> one, one, fi- one final thing. I don't know if you noticed this. I, I just noticed Stephen Elliott's tweet. Stephen Elliott, who, of course, has scored Easter Road a couple of times for the Jambos before and who still loves hearts, you can tell. Um, he shared the video of Ollie Lee's goal and said, the only way this could be better is if Lee tells the world he screamed, F the Hibs, just as he struck it. <laughs> oh, I love Stephen Elliott. Um, because I'm not allowed to, to have the same dream as you, because uh-huh. we've already got the Scottish Cup. Yep. My dream for 2019 is a long-term extension for Stephen Naismith. Oh, that's a good dream as well. Thank you. A sensible dream. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I, I don't know, but like, I'm just thinking, if I'm like, you know, I can think I'm lying in bed and in my head there's celebrations and jumping about, winning the Scottish Cup, yeah, the crowd goes wild, I'm jumping around, I'm hugging people. How does your dream go when you just dream that Stephen Naismith gets given a new contract? It doesn't sound a very exciting dream. But then he wins the Scottish Cup in 2020. Okay. I just, and that's what happened. I can just imagine it, your dream is just a news a news update flashes up on your phone. No, look, <laughs> I, I I was able to do something that uh, I I don't think any Hearts fan has ever had the chance to do, and I was very very lucky to do this. Um, and I say Hearts fan, not associated with the club, of which I wasn't back in 1998. Dougie Dalgleish um, was the the press officer at the time. And lovely guy, really, really nice guy, Dougie Douglas, and I've got all the time in the world for Dougie. And I put a request in prior to the cup final against Rangers and just said, look, here's the deal. I've had a call from Bill Barkley, who was doing 12 till 3, I think, on a Sunday on 4th AM. It might have been at the time, now 4th 2. And he said, is there any chance that we could get any live content from the bus. I said, how are we going to do that? He said, well, can you, can you put the request in? Said, of course I can. So I put the request in and Dougie's, th- th- you got to remember as well, this was 1998. This was back in the day of which there was, I mean, Scott FM were, were there at the time. Um, they'd just kind of started uh, four or five years before. And that's who I actually used to work for, but they didn't really have, um, much of a, a, a kind of influence. Uh, I think we had the rights back then to, to certain games. So I put the request in. I said, look, is there any chance that we could get stuff from the top of the bus? And he said, well, who's going to do it? And I said, well, I'll do it. And he says, okay. Look, I explained about the live into 4th uh, 2 with Bill Barkley or 4th AM. Long story short, um, I was on the bus. I was in the top deck of the bus going through Princess Street um, down the mound from the city chambers um, along Haymarket, along Gorgie Road, and we did live stuff into Bill Barkley, a massive hibbies show, and Billy Brown and Jim Jeffries were desperate to speak to him when they knew 
what was going on. Uh, because the, the complete grafty was his catchphrase, and 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 that was the first thing that Jim said. Um, and just to be on top of the bus, and I, I knew I, I just wanted to to, to kind of sit down uh, and just keep out the way. It had nothing to do with me, but I wanted to take it all in. It was also around the time where you didn't have mobile phones or anything like that. And stupid me, when we got to the bottom of the mound the spool in my camera was full up. I'd taken, what was it, 36 back then? I'd taken them all, and I didn't even bring a replacement spool of photos or, or whatever it was for the old cameras. So I do have photos from that day. Um, I've also got official photos that were taken from buildings, whatever, that I'm on the top deck because I wore a garish yellow and blue top. But th I don't think I could ever top that. Being on top of the bus, seeing Hearts win the Scottish Cup the day before when I never thought they would, and then not even being a part, I wasn't a part of that. It's nothing to do with me, but I was able to experience something that any Hearts fan would have loved to have done. So that's that's the that's the dream that, that I didn't even have because it was too far-fetched and I was able to do it. Nothing will ever top that for me. Um, and, and that's how special that was. So sorry for that kind of period of, of reminiscing. And what I'll try and do is I'll try and send you some um, some of the photos I got that day. And mm -hmm. hopefully we can we can give them out to, uh, to 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 listeners. I've I've got one which I wish I'd done more with, and it, for, for me it's an iconic photo that I was lucky enough to take. I was in the again I'm, I'm rambling, so if you want to edit some of this out, feel free. Um, I was the second back row on the left hand side of the open top bus, which I believe might have been driven by Ali Brazil, the former Hibs player who is a bus driver with LRT. Second back row. And Jim, after he had spoken to us and Bill Barkley, uh, he's like, where's the cup? Where's the cup? Because they'd had a fair bit to drink. So the cup was passed to the back of the bus. And standing right beside me, Jim Jeffries was up the back of the bus. And he had his arm outstretched with the cup hanging over the back of the bus. And I just saw this vision of, I don't know how many Hearts fans were there. There was just thousands upon thousands. But I've got a photo. Um, and I'll try and get it to you because I want to put it on the website and we'll try and get prints made of it as well to give out to listeners. I've got a photo of this arm. It's Jim Jeffries, but not him in the photo, just his arm with the cup and just with thousands of Hearts fans. And I think for me, that epitomizes the whole weekend of kind of done, job done. So I'll look that out for you and we'll see if we can, uh, we'll see if we can get, get listeners getting their hands on that. So, last two players. We still we still have two players to go through. Um, first one. This this may be quite interesting. We've mentioned mentioned him already with the uh, the penalty incident or penalty that wasn't given and I think was rightly not given. Um, Sean Clare. Mm -hmm. what, what did he get? He got five. And I don't know whether to use the bet boost. Um, this is this divides opinions. If Craig Levine, when Sean Clare arrived at Hearts, had not said what he said and instead said something like he's a work in progress or, or, or whatever, and he's got lots of ability and hopefully over the, the time he's with Hearts that we'll see that ability come through, then I think the pressure would have been less on him. And maybe I was wrong to kind of believe that we've signed the next great thing because he may still well be... And, I've got no no issues with that because I think we will see a different player once he gets his first goal. I just think he's short of confidence right now. I watched the first half 
And bearing in mind the Livingston game, and we had a conversation about how for the second goal, he, he, there was no tackle and then there was no tracking or whatever. I thought there was a lot of pointing from, from Sean Clare, but not a lot of doing. And maybe, again, I'm clouded by my judgment of the first half and maybe he deserves more than a... I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. And then, then it became interesting afterwards when a few people were tweeting me. So oh, Craig Levine's just said at the press conference he thought that was Sean Clare's best game, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be honest here. I I think Craig Levine is smart with this one because to single somebody out like he did with Sean Clare, I think that is a smart move because whether or not it was or wasn't his best game, I don't think it was. Does Craig Levine honestly believe that? It, it doesn't really matter, but Sean Clare is going to get a hell of a lot from that. He's going to kick on. That is really good man management. Really, really good. Whether he believes it the fact that he said it, the boy's going to feel like a million dollars and he can kick on from this. That will get the confidence up. So to Craig Levine, well played for that comment. To Sean Clare, is he getting more than five? He, he probably, yeah, five out of ten in a match mark usually suggests failure. He wasn't a failure. So six, six, surely. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to give him a six. I'm, I'm going to give him a six. Now, he got an assist. He got an assist. Well, <laughs> again, I just we're not allowed to talk negativity on this one. I've I've spoken about the assist, and I've spoken about how long it was in the air, and maybe it could have been more direct um, to to get to Ollie Lee. But the bottom line is, maybe if it had been more direct, we wouldn't have got the goal. So all things happen for a reason. I just felt that I feel there's a lot more to come from Sean Clare, and if Craig Levine hadn't have made those comments at the start about how good Sean Clare could be. I just think that, that put pressure on the kid. And on, on one hand, there's that. On the other hand, he's come out with these comments after the game saying he felt he had his best, his best game. As we always say in this, total trust in what Craig Levine does and says. He's a, a far better equipped person to do that job than, than any of us. But I'm, I'm yet to be convinced by Sean Clare. And even Ewan Murray, uh, who's a good friend of mine, the Guardian journalist, um, believes that there's a lot more. He, he thinks Hearts have got a top player in Sean Clare. So I'll probably, I, I think I deserve a bit of stick for this and I'll I'll bow down to those who feel that that was a ridiculous mark and I'll, I'll bet boost them up to six, but I'll say no more. Okay. Well, let's, let's move on to the last player. Um, the man whose return has, as we expected, sparked a bit of improvement in the Hearts side. He didn't get a goal. He he forced uh, a decent stop from Bogdan early in the second half. But again, he was such an important player off the ball and on the ball. Uh, Stephen Naismith. And man of the match is, is what I gave him. And I know we've boosted Haring to eight, maybe eight and a half. Um, Naismith just shaded man of the match from Haring. And I would I would have probably given it to Haring if he'd stayed on the field for longer. But I'm giving it to Naismith, the heartbeat of that football team, the heartbeat of our football team. And hopefully someone who, loving his football, will want to stay. Because it's not all about money for Stephen Naismith. If it was, um, I- I'm sure he would be elsewhere because Hearts aren't paying anywhere near like 50%. They're only paying a small amount of, of his wages. He's, he's still getting that. But he, he could quite easily be elsewhere um, 
with a view to signing somewhere else and getting more money there. He's, he's not. He's happy at heart. He leads by example. He's the player that we detest if we're up against him. He's the player we love. And he just, he just led by example. He's a snarly, gnarly, annoying, in-your-face, perfect player for, for Hearts. And the stat that Sky showed at least twice about Hearts' results with Naismith and Hearts' results without. If ever a player summed up the importance of his being to a football club, it's, it's Stephen Naismith. And I would, I would argue that he's even more important and I wouldn't, it's not one or the other. I would argue he's even more important to hearts right now than Christoph Berra. I think Christoph Berra is your leader. He's, he's the guy that you look to, but, but Stephen Naismith is the one who makes things happen. Well, I think that's shown with the form as well, that Berra got injured early in the season and hearts continued on a very good run of form and were top of the table and, Stephen Naismith went out when he limped off against Celtic in the semi-final. It collapsed for Hearts completely. Uh, I think what they won two from eleven, and that was home games against Motherwell and Hamilton after that um, that injury to Naismith. So yeah, he's absolutely crucial, and again played a big part. Even if he didn't get a goal, his his link-up play, his you know coming back to make sure the midfield did have someone to give the ball to, and he played a couple of nice passes. He set up Sean Clare for his. His chance through on goal. Yeah, just a crucial player. And as you mentioned, with your dream for 2019, if, if Hearts can get him on a, a permanent deal, then I think that would be a sensational bit of business for the next year or two because he doesn't look like he's on his last legs by, no, by no, any no, stretch. And he's what, is he only 31, 32? Yeah, uh, 32 he's, now. He's, yeah, he's, he's got a lot, of, a lot of life left in him. Out of interest, who was your man in the match? It was difficult because probably would be Haring... However, it's sometimes hard to give someone man of the match if they've only played a little over half of it. So, probably between Haring and Naismith for me. Um, for the 53 minutes that Haring was on, it was definitely Haring. Yes, then, agreed. So, it's it's difficult because yeah, yeah, if someone comes on with five minutes to go and scores a wonder goal, you're probably not going to give them man of the match, but they've won the game. So, yeah, tough one. A joint prize between Haring and Naismith. It's a nice conundrum to try and solve. <laughs> yes, it is. Put it that way. So I think that's fair. I've used Bet Boost quite a lot. So Doyle, eight. Smith, eight. Berra, eight. DiCamona, eight. Godinho, seven. Haring, eight. Lee, eight. Jim, seven. Garucho, eight. Claire, six. Naismith, eight. I thought Godinho so was six and a half, but we're uh, rounding it up now, are we? Yeah, rounding it up. We're not allowed half points. <laughs> not allowed half that's, points. That's, that's negative, and if it's negative, it gets taken out. So it's all positive today. That's very true. That just about brings us to the end of this one, because all I want to do was talk all about the derby and stay positive, and I think on the whole, we've actually managed to do that, which is surprising. I think that's, I, yeah, I think that's <laughs> what people wanted to listen to as well. Um, not so much what we think, but just it's it, it's funny when when Hearts win big games, whether it was the cup final against Rangers or the the cup final against Hibs, all we had to do was buy every newspaper, read every newspaper. I remember flying back after the Hibs game, and it was like a seven-hour flight or whatever to Newark. All I did, I, I had the biggest pile of newspapers, and that's all I wanted to read. I'm reading the same thing pretty much in every newspaper, but I just wanted to read it. And it's like it's like anything. You just you want to immerse yourself 
in what you've just seen. And hopefully you agree with what we've said today. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. And even if you don't agree, no problem. No problem, because I dreaded this one, I have to say. When we set this up, I dreaded. I can't offer the same amount of negativity as I did for the first half hour of the last podcast. I wanted this to be positive. I'm so pleased that it has been. And for next time, Mark has asked for your dreams for 2019. This is the, I'm calling it the first podcast of 2019 because when it gets released, it will likely be the 1st of January when everything is put together and it's live. Uh, we're obviously recording it just before, but we'll, we'll call it the, the first podcast of the year. So a good time to, to look ahead. And, and what is your dream for 2019? Obviously, mine was the Scottish Cup. Mark's was a new contract for Stephen Naismith. How about the rest of you? Let us know. And let's keep it hearts related. I mean, you, <laughs> you, you, could, you, you could go a different way with it, but let, let's keep it hearts related. Keep it on, on topic. Um, and we're going to be back next week. And it'll be an interesting one because you'll be in the same country as me, same continent as me for a change. Yeah, and... and... I don't know, I'll put a couple of calls in. Maybe we can get a special guest as well. Let's hope so. That, that would be nice. I don't want to promise too much, but I haven't set anything up as yet. But um, hopefully we can we can do something and have a bit of fun. And, and you'll not need to edit my uh, nonsense as much as you normally have to because I'll be there and you can tell me, look, shut up. <laughs> L- let me talk. <laughs> But it's been it's been very enjoyable this one. Natural order has been restored in the capital. Just one derby defeat in six now for Hearts. First win at Easter Road since twenty fourteen. All is right with the world and we can now look ahead to twenty nineteen with happiness and optimism. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just uh I'm just deciding if I should tweak my flight tomorrow, um, because there's obviously the option of economy class or business class (laughs) and you know what I think I'll change I think I'll fly hearts class tomorrow (laughs) on that note we'll see you all next time